Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Fall is just around the corner, and those of you with easy keepers and metabolic horses need to be extra careful at turnout time. As the seasons change, the sugar content in grass increases, often leading to a spike in cases of founder. The folks at Equithrive have formulated products to help you navigate these potential pasture pitfalls. Equithrive's Metabarol is a pelleted supplement that is scientifically proven to support healthy metabolic function and a healthy inflammatory response in horses. It's bona fide joint and metabolic support, all-in-one, easy-to-feed pellet. Visit equithrive.com today and use the promo code HUMBLEHOOF to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping. www.equithrive.com I first heard about Bernie Harberts actually from his wife, Julia, when we boarded together about 10 or so years ago in Massachusetts. I knew he was doing these really long rides on his mules, but I don't think I realized exactly how cool it was until I saw these blog posts pop up on Facebook about these cross-country treks with mules using different kinds of hoof boots and that Bernie was doing his own trimming. Bernie and I connected about this and we talk about everything from healthy mule feet to how to keep them booted for such long rides and a little bit about some other projects he's working on. So why don't we get started and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into high mileage cross-country rides with mules? Yes. So my name is Bernie Harperts. I live with my wife, Julie, in Western North Carolina. And I grew up with horses. So I came from a really traditional background. My mom was from Switzerland, very uh, goal-oriented, and she wanted me to become a great dressage rider. So I went to school in Switzerland. I took dressage lessons with Frau Ernie. Everything was in Swiss German in Bern, Switzerland. Came home in my early teens, joined Pony Club, Go Sedgefield, Salem, Pony Club in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, and I went through all the Pony Club stuff, which was wonderful, learning about structure, the hook, shoeing. I got my B. Uh, ended up working with uh, Nancy Lindroff, wonderful trainer, rode prelim, three-day um, ethics, did all that. And then I switched over to long-distance riding. And so my latest voyage was riding from North Carolina to Idaho. Uh, seven months, 2,300 miles, uh, all in hoof boots. Before this, I traveled from Canada to Mexico, 400 days, filming a documentary called The Lossy Expedition in a wagon with one mule, hoof boots, and before that, and what really got me into hoof boots was riding from Atlantic to Pacific Ocean with a mule named Woody and a pony named Maggie. I started out with shoes. I ended barefoot. And that's where the whole kind of the transition from this classic upbringing really morphed into this natural barefoot hoof care. This was 20 years ago that I started my voyage along this new route. It's been wonderful. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And so what about that ride? I mean, it's probably a long, a long story, but what about that ride had you ended it up barefoot? Well, it's actually fascinating. We, and this is one of the things I'd really like to talk about today. We are in a incredible era of information, experts, social media device, YouTube, TikTok, supplements, and all these things have a place and they can be wonderful. But what I learned, just to back up a moment, is when I take off with a mule or a horse, I'm riding a horse and leading another horse. Suddenly, my world collapses into about 40 pounds of gear, about what I carry. And so you just can't take everything with you. And so on my first trip, I started off uh, in Oriental, North Carolina, riding a mule named Woody. Uh, I ended up with a pony named Maggie in Southern Pines, where I rode as a steeplechase jockey years before. We set off with steel shoes. Both the animals were shod with steel shoes up front. And at a certain point, Maggie needed reshoeing. Uh, and I just went barefoot because it was too much weight to carry. So to run shoes on long distance voyaging, you've got to carry hammer, nails, nipper, rasp, kind of at the minimum. And so my first experience was in Star, North Carolina, the kind of the official center of North Carolina. Maggie was barefoot. We came up to a gravel road and she was so tender, she couldn't walk anymore on this gravel road. So I stopped, set up camp uh, at some people. I just knocked on their door and said, hey, can I camp here? And they said, yeah, it's fine. Um, and I thought, hmm, what do I do for shoeing now? And so I went to Troy, North Carolina to a tire store. And there was a guy fixing a skitter tire, which is a big piece of machinery. And I said, do you have some old inner tubes I could use? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I literally crawled into the dumpster, pulled out a skitter inner tube, which is a fat inner tube. And I cut out two what looked like star-shaped pieces of, of inner tube. And I went back to where I was camp, strapped those with duct tape around Maggie's feet, took photographs, because I photographed everything, and set off, continued my journey. So that was 2004. That was 19 years ago now. And that was my kind of crash entry into hoof boots. Like, I made my own. I made my own. And then I, those wore out, and, and by Western North Carolina, I found... Um, remember, this is 2004. There's a very limited amount of hoof boots out there. I found a pair of easy boots. And these are the old classic ones. I always describe people, they look like a, a cross between a toilet plunger and a ski boot. <laughs> and I clamped these things off. And these damn things fell off after 100 feet. Oh, and no. I just, I, I wrapped more tape around Maggie's feet. I just was determined to make hoof boots work at this point. And they were so primitive, and I, and I just fought those things for weeks. But I got them to work, and I got better and better at fitting these, uh, these easy boots, the early model easy boots. I ended up riding all the way to California. It was a 3,500-mile trip, converting to hoof boots on the way. 
So those boots have come a long way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I always tell my clients that because a lot of times people have this misconception about hoof boots from hoof boots that were available over a decade ago. And even nowadays, we have so many more options than back then. Yeah. And a lot of them are a lot easier and stay on a lot better. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my start riding and how I got into hoof boots. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I know from horses and mules and donkeys that I work on that usually when I come to a mule, a lot of times they either have a hoof that looks a little bit more like a donkey, but still has some, you know, horse aspects to it, or a hoof that looks a little bit more like a horse's hoof, but still is not quite a horse's hoof, looks a little bit more like a donkey. So, you know, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the differences between mule feet and horse feet, or even donkey feet. Um, And really, one of my huge questions is how you find boots that fit these feet, because they're so different. Absolutely. And and I, I... My specialty in this booting thing is mules. And if, and, and if you can figure out how to keep hoof boots on a mule, you can keep them on anything. So what that technically means, as you said, the mule is kind of between a horse and a donkey. And just to generalize here, let's just talk about the front feet. A horse's front feet generally look kind of like, you know, the capital C on its back, you know, the points sticking up. A donkey's hoof is more like, think, imagine the uppercase letter U with the points shaping up. Does that make sense? Like they're, they're pointing up. So a, a donkey's foot is going to be generally narrower and skinnier than a horse's. A mule is somewhere in the middle. And this is a real challenge for booting, for hoof boots on mules. So I have found, and this is the wonderful thing about the air. Right now I'm sitting at a table. I've got four different brands of hoof boots in front of me. Cavallos, Easy Boots, like an Easy Care product, Renegade, and Scoots. There's so much flexibility in the range of boots that you'll find something that will fit the mule. The challenge I've found is, first of all, they're narrower. Now, most boots are made for a horse, so they're more, they're rounder, and so there'll be more room on the side of the hoof boots. I have made shims for boots that I've inserted in the side of each boot. That has worked. Um, They are coming out with some narrower hoof boots, but by and large, if I can give the mule a proper trim, put on pretty much any boot now, uh, the, the names, that I, names that I mentioned, they're going to stay on through pretty much all mud, walk, trot, and canter. I can't think of the last time I had one fall off, and we ride three, four days a week. Wow. So the other challenge with mule boots, and this is where it starts, nar- or boots for mules, where it starts narrowing the range of boots down is a mule in many cases i found this a lot they have a taller heel than a horse they a lot of times the mule will be more upright than a horse so you're you're going to have a much steeper angle to the front of the hoof and a taller heel and 
that's a real issue with a lot of hoof boots where you can't adjust the heel or the heel strap up. Two of the hoof boots I've got in front of me have kind of a fixed set heel height, and it's not tall enough to fit a mule. So the reason I use the the boots that I do when I really need something that's going to stick on a mule's hoof, in the case of the Renegade boot, and also to a certain extent, the uh, easy boot, I always get these mixed up, glove. I've found I can pull that glove up over the mule's heels and the ultimate flexibility in this department for high heels I've found is in the Renegade. I use them. They don't, you know, pay me or send me boots. I buy my gear. I can loosen the cables on this. So to, to explain the Renegade hoof boot to your listeners, it's got two cables that attach to it's called a heel captivator in the back. You can loosen those cables, and so it lets that heel captivator come higher up on the heel on those mules with tall heels. And that really helps keep that boot secure. So hopefully that gives you a, a sort of technical idea of you know, how I get these suckers to stay on. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? Definitely. Right. And so you find that the shims are enough to make up that difference in the width. Yes. So I, so the, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to come out and talk about brands and models. I know it's a little hard for some people to understand. If you're not familiar with these, I'll try to explain them. Like I said, I'm, I'm a total hoof boot agnostic brand wise. I just use what works. I own, four different pairs of hoof boots. I use them all. I have put shims. The last one I shimmed was a, on my three and a half thousand mile ride, I shimmed a classic easy boot. And I've got pictures on my riverearth.com website where I just screwed shims into the side of those. That narrowed the hoof just enough to stay on the foot better. I don't do that as much now because the new boots in many cases will have like a garter or, or a thing that comes up around the heel. And so that's actually worked out even better than shimming. Oh, great. Um, as far as keeping those boots on there. But, it, but I do want to put that out there as an option. The only thing to keep in mind, though, is if, if you're shimming a horse boot to fit a mule, you're going to have a, a boot that's actually wider than it should be on that hoof. I mean, that makes sense. It's like you're wearing a big set of shoes and you're padding them with cardboard to make them fit. Right. That's not perfect, but it got me across America. Yeah. Which is good enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> a special thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Cavallo. For our humble hoof listeners, they are offering 20% off their Cavallo Trek hoof boots using the coupon code HRN at checkout. The Trek is the world's most popular and versatile hoof boot and Cavallo's toughest trail boot, while also doubling as an option for therapy or rehab. The front closure system makes it easily adaptable to various hoof shapes, and the TPU upper design allows for maximum strength while minimizing weight for the comfort and ease of movement for your horse. 
These are recommended by vets and trainers and also loved as transport boots by barrel racers, ship jumpers, dressage riders, and everyone in between. Again, for 20% off a pair of treks, use the code HRN at checkout at cavallo-inc.com. Yeah, and so talking about these high mileage rides, what, I mean, what made you choose mules in the first place? And have you, you know, ever had any injuries with them across these rides or have you noticed that they are more stoic in terms of doing these long distances? Do they hide pain really well if something's going on or? The, the thing is, it's like hoof, mules are like hoof boots in the sense that like, it's not the brand. It's just like, you can do amazing things with kind of any hoof boot and any animal. If you just really listen to that animal. Uh, the reason I like mules is they are, they're tougher than a horse. They drink less, um, eat less. They've got more strength for weight. And I'm a little absent-minded sometimes. I'm not super, uh, like when I'm traveling across Wyoming, I can't find water every two or three hours. I could do the same trip with a horse, fine, but I have to be a little bit more careful about the horse's needs of like, this horse is going to need to drink more often. It's going to eat to eat more, or drink, eat more often. They just have a little more leeway as far as toughness, the mule does. Yeah. And honestly, I like the, the mule mentality because it's like, you, you, there's the old saying that, that you have to train a mule the way you should train a horse. And that means you really got to get in the mule's head. Uh, let's say walking up to a bridge, I encountered this quite often, and the mule didn't want to step onto the bridge. You can buffalo a horse, unfortunately, into doing things. A mule's like, I'm not stepping on that bridge. Whereas in the past, people have kind of pushed horses along. Like, like there's a reason the cavalry used horses, not mules. <laughs> mules would be like, I'm not going to run into battle. They're shooting at me. Hell no. Mules like, nope, I'm going to hang back here. You know, but this is, it's more of a chess game with a mule. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that. So, but they do piss me off sometimes. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, no, but they're going to push you. They're going to push you into thoughts that you just, you just don't want. Like some of our horse manners to even know. They're like, no. But I have developed, you know, much more patience with mules, and 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 I've been rewarded by them. One of the things I found really kind of a challenge on this trip was getting my mules ready for like the last trip. I know that a lot of people me included, have done obstacle courses. Like, take a mule, walk them on tarps or a horse and go through the noodle thing, uh, stepping them up on tires. And I did some of that getting ready for my trip. But the thing with a mule is they just always will look at something and be like, how could this affect me? How could this hurt me? So the classic example is like riding up the road. Like, most horses you could get trained enough to, to listen. But I'm riding the first day on the road with my mule. And I'm riding up a four-lane highway. He bolts 
out into the highway, runs across four lanes of traffic. I'm leading my pack mule, runs into a parking lot where I've, you know, of a home supply store. And I'm like, what is this? And I, I get him back through traffic, back on the other side of the road. And I look up the hill and there's a, somebody has dressed up a pig, a barrel to look like a pig. So it's like this metal barrel with a handkerchief around its neck and pig ears and a pig snout. And the mule is like freaking out looking at it. That thing was a hundred feet away from the road and most horses would, would have missed that. And so that's kind of the mule challenge. Like they don't miss anything. And so it takes a little different kind of training and patience. I mean, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And actually that was kind of another, kind of another question I had was, you know, what is kind of the craziest thing that's happened to you on one of these rides that, um, you know, I don't know if you have any, I'm sure you have plenty of stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just the, the things that you, you think you're ready for. A lot of it is like the getting ready and the training. The biggest challenge for the modern long distance traveler is traffic. And so it would be, you know, those, those bolts, where the mule shies and, and runs through traffic, you know, going through Tennessee, it's rush hour. I'm riding along and Tennessee's got a lot of loose dogs. This is Appalachia, twisty, turning roads. I'm riding along. It's rush hour. And there are cars, two lane highway coming both ways. And I'm riding my mule cracker, leading my pack mule brick. Riding along, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this white streak and like <laughs> like that sound of, of toenails on weathered porch boards. And this big-ass white dog comes running off this from the shack and starts chasing the mules. <laughs> it's rush hour. My mule cracker jumps out into the stream of oncoming cars. My pack mule bricks runs behind me and she gets the rope caught around my waist. And so I don't want to let go of her because, because I don't want her to run into traffic and cars. It's like when the, the, the starship enterprise hits warp speeds and all the stars come by really quick. And there's like white lines out behind them. So these white lines and, and stars are cars flying by the mules and we're galloping up the road. I finally get, the mules pulled up and the dog's like rah, 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 just barking, 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 barking. And my mules and that dog had totally gridlocked this Tennessee country road. There were cars like parked all around the road. And it was so bad. I actually had to stop, look at the car that had pulled up right in front of me and like stop, turn around the saddle, stop the cars behind me from passing and be like, Okay, you ma'am, come on. So now I'm the traffic cop directing traffic on this gridlock road with two mules and a barking dog oh and getting traffic flowing in. Like, that kind of stuff. It's this unexpected, you can't prepare for. But the beauty of it, the beauty of this is it pairs things back to the absolute essentials. And that's what's really defined my hoof care and booting experience with horses 
and mules, because I also boot my wife Julia's um, two horses. And I guess the proudest moment as a, as a barefoot and hoof booter was despite the, the bolt into traffic, the dog yapping at the mules, eight hoof boots on my mule's feet. They were totally booted. Not a single boot came off. Wow. That's a pretty good testament to what hoof boots can stand up to. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that will give you a little bit of an idea of kind of some of this really unexpected stuff and how that forces you to pare down to absolute, the minimal experience, in this case, barefoot horse trimming and hoof booting, which to me yielded the maximum result as far as taking care of my horse's hooves and mule's hooves. I mean, I only had half a rasp on this trip. That was my only hoof equipment. One half of a rasp. Wow. And the blade on my multi-tool. That was it. And my mules never took a, a bad step. Um, it was around 19 million mule steps because I measured them with a pedometer. Barefoot and with hoof boots. And I never had a problem with, with you know, lameness. I did have one, did, I did have one episode where my mule cracker was sore. But if I can travel 19 million mule steps with half a rasp and hoof boots, you start looking at all the advice that's out there. It's like, maybe we could pair some of this back. And that's what I'm about. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and honestly, <laughs> that's my that's my stump speech. Yeah, and everybody I can see everybody now. They're like, "What kind of rasp did you saw in half?" And it's like, "No, no, what's the brand?" No, you missed the point. Yeah, no, and, and I'm sure that you have. I'm sure you have a million other stories you could share. And so I was wondering, you know, if if people are wondering or they want to learn more about you or your trips, um, is there somewhere they can go? Or I know that. Did Julia sure. say that you have a book too? Yeah, so I've got um so Julia's Julia's my wife, my very patient wife. Um so the the website that I blog and post to on all my journeys is riverearth.com and that's river like the Mississippi River uh, or the James River. Uh earth like the planet earth earth riverearth.com and I have uh, two books out. A new book is uh, coming out, it's my memoir about riding from North Carolina to Idaho. It's called Two Mules to Triumph, 300-page book about that voyage. And then I've just released a photo book called 19 Million Mule Steps. Um, it is available free to anyone uh, that would sign up for my newsletter on riverearth.com. And so 19 Million Mule Steps is a lot of the photos, sketches, musings that didn't fit into the Two Two Mules to Triumph book. Again, you can download it on my riverearth.com site. And I've also included, for people who are interested in barefoot travel, natural hoof care, hoof booting, I've put photos of not only my hoof boots, but what the mule's hooves looked like after walking, there's a photo in there, what, what it looked like after 1,500 miles of walking. They are gorgeous, Alicia. They're like polished, 
just by grass. And you can see all the, the tubules that make up the hoof wall. And they're just, like I wanted to cut them off, varnish them, and make lamps out of them. They were that <laughs> damn beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's the, that's the boorish side of me. <laughs> so that's in the 19 million use test book. I have not. No, I did not do that. I just took a photo. <laughs> so people will enjoy that. Do oh, enjoy. Yeah. And again, that's a free free download. Oh yeah, and and we have a lot of people that are very interested in in hooves, and I'm sure they would love to see pictures of that. And I would too, because I mean yeah. that's like our you know what what uh, is super interesting to me is seeing what functional hoof what a functional hoof looks like because you know it's it's great to see pictures yeah. of feet, but you don't know what that horse or, or mule or donkey is actually yeah. doing, but to see feet that have actually accomplished yeah. something, that's cool. Yeah. You know, you know, hooves, pretty women and cosmopolitan all have the same problem in the sense that like, there's this idealized image of what a beautiful woman and a beautiful hoof looks like. And if you look at the cover of the magazine, they're like, there's this unattainable beauty in hooves and women. And like, when I look in like some of the sketches of what a hoof looks like, they're like, you know, there's this crisp hoof walls, they're symmetrical. The frog is like, wow, this is like amazing, you know, thing. But none of my mule's feet look like that. They've walked, I've got one mule that's walked across the United States and Newfoundland. None of their feet are the same size. They're, you know, one side might be a little not as, you know, sloped as the other, more upright on the inside, sloping to the outside. And I really am just from the travel. And sorry about my rant, but I feel really, really strongly about this. Having gone over 10,000 miles now, long distance in hoof boots. I don't give a crap what the foot looks like. It's what it functions like. Yeah. And the the form is going to follow that animal's needs. Just like my trip evolved, you know, I got rid of stuff and I didn't I didn't even look the same when I finished the trip. But to me it can be a real hindrance to try to make a hoof match some perfect thing that we see on a cover or somebody brag-assing about their perfect feed on social media. That's a real disservice to the hoof. Absolutely. You can tell I'm getting all wound up here. Like, that hoof, be true to the hoof. That's ex- I mean, I completely agree with you, and I'm always ranting about that on my Facebook, so <laughs> I right. understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... Like, if you had a bleep button, I'd start cussing right here. Oh, if, if for no other reason, get the point into people's heads. And this is a general point, but really spend time looking at your animal move, what the shape is like, move slowly, don't make big moves, understand this is the, a year at the minimum planning range. If you're going to budget time and let the hoof find its form with just a, just a light kind of hand holding along the way. So it's worked for me. It's, and you know, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this has been super fascinating and I think that there's a lot more questions that I could ask and maybe um, we could even do this again sometime and chat more about some of your adventures. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd absolutely love to. As you know, I just got a love of boots. I got four of them sitting right in front of me. They're beat up. One's got 400 miles on it. The other has 700 and one's got like over 3,000 on it. Wow. Love and the four different brands. Love me some boots. <laughs> well, let's catch up again. This has been fun. Hope this has helped. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Alicia. I know you're busy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great rest of the day. You too. Bye. <laughs> See you. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.